My name is Jesse Brinson. I also go by Daddy, as you just heard. Uh, I have uh, been married 18, going on 19 years. I don't know why I always do this. So, um, uh, three kids, wonderful wife. She stepped out for a second. Um, the oldest right now is at home. That cold is going around, so protect yourselves. Make sure you're getting plenty of vitamin C and and Jesus and everything you need to stay healthy, stay hydrated up, guys. Um, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close us out on our prayer series, our acronym P-R-A-Y. And being a prayer church, I get the honor of doing that today. I serve here with uh, Jonathan uh, and, and the rest of the Call to Greatness staff and um, uh, community outreach and youth ministry. And that's another uh, one of our community groups. You know a young person, middle school to high school, looking to grow in their faith or be around some people with at least in a sense like-mindedness. Uh, or people, or young people that just, you know what, man, I'm looking for something greater in my life. Maybe they're not even a believer, but they're looking for something greater in their life. Invite them out to call the greatest youth, or as we call it, youth group on Wednesday nights at 6:30. So, um, I'm up here without my cane. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Yana, that's my, that's my ride or die right there. We're going to be partying or not. If you, she says she will not let the rocks cry out. She's going to do it herself. So uh, uh, after having, for those who don't know, many of you maybe even wondered, um, uh, oh, hey, that, hey, that's enough. All right. I've had hip surgery back on January 18th, and um, uh, people would say, hey, you're not old enough to have that. Well, if you were doing things like I was doing when I was 12 and, and then the opportunity that I had to play football you'll understand why but I've never had so many conversations with 80 year olds uh, because of it. so I don't know if that's the same for you buddy but it's just like man all right so um, but I'm doing well it's re recovering well and I'm enjoying it uh, and I have my two-week uh, post-op doctor's visit tomorrow and we'll hopefully that will be confirmed that everything's going as planned so um, so pray, a brief synopsis or a brief uh, recap of what we've talked about over this last month. Uh, pray was, uh, the P in pray was uh, praise, sing aloud and proud. Our guy MP, Michael Parsons, the one and only, you know, brought that. And one of the things he talked about was it helps us connect with God. It helps us connect with God. And if you think about what a praying church is and a praying people is, if you are someone who says, man, I follow Jesus, he's my Lord and Savior, man, you don't want to go about your life not connecting with the, the source of your power, the source of your energy, the source of your life. And so that's what P does, praise. It helps us connect with God. Then Brendan Downing brought repent and be reconciled. Never have I heard so much from young people Middle school, high school, college, young college folks. Man, I just want to get closer to God. I just want to get closer to God. And that's one of the things that Brendan said. When we repent and, re and, re and, and are reconciled, it doesn't draw us away from God, but it gets us closer to God. It gets us closer to God. And, and, I, and I don't know about you guys, but um, it's, it, I thought about that as like, man, if I can get closer to Growing up, if I could, could have got closer to one of my favorite athletes, that would have been awesome. That would have been like, man, like a dream come true. And now, obviously, uh, singing and wanting to experience Jesus more is like, man, I get to get closer and closer to my hero. And so that's what Aura does for repent and be reconciled. 
Hey, Jonathan Hub brought that, right? Knocked it out of the park. Align and ask. Align and ask. And you, if, who did their homework this week? All right. I'm not going to embarrass anyone, but remember, homework was John 14 and 15. First John 14, 5, 14 through 15. All right, come. So he did his homework. Okay, B, I see you. I see you. Uh huh. But reading in John, in verse 14, to be able to abide in Christ. And, and don't worry, we'll actually go over that a little bit because um, I thought it was fitting when we think about the why. But how do we, that if we do the will of God who sent Jesus, if we do, as Jesus did the will of his father, right, he was inviting us to do the, that same will, right, abiding in him. And John 15 uh, um, talks about abiding, right, and aligning ourselves. And it also talks about the pruning that uh, anyone that abides in Christ, right, God prunes so that they can produce more fruit. And so, um, and, and then in, in, in 1 John 5, it talks about the confidence in asking in his name. And so today I get to talk about yield and what that means and what that looks like for a praying church. Before I go any farther, I want to just give a, a round of applause to our Chile champions yesterday for those who came out and competed. Yesterday, the men has had a Chile event. Um, we, we threw it out there in the men's group meet. If you're not a part of that, somehow we miss you. We want to get you involved in that. Uh, and then multiple guys, boom, boom, boom. I'm bringing chili. I'm bringing chili. I'm bringing chili. So first of all, uh, Jesus must have been a part of this man's life because he literally went on, Googled a recipe, and just, just worked it and put his foot in there. Where's my guy Will at? Right here. Will got the first praise fries. Give him some love. Now with that, I have to be honest. I think I was on my Brendan Downing counting, and I messed up. <laughs> and I, we awarded uh, Nick the second place prize, but Mr. Tobin was a part of that too. So I don't know if I, I don't know what happened, but Nick and Tobin, would you stand up? I'm going to officially say these are our second place prize winners. So what that means is there is five other people who are in, enrolled. If you want the best chili, you should knock on their doors. All right. So um, as we're saying, let's go ahead and get into the message because I feel like I have a lot and I don't want to take a lot of your time, but I want to be intentional and in really communicating uh, this idea of yield and the why part of the academia. What we're saying is if we apply this pray acronym to our lives, that we would not only become a praying people, but also become a praying church. From these last three to four weeks, I want to ask a question. Is there anyone after having applied the PRA thus far, have a 15 second, 15 to 20 second testimony saying, hey, because I've applied praise, because I've reply, applied uh, repent and reconcile, uh, re re reconcile, because I've applied align and ask, man, this is how I've seen God influence my praying or answer my prayers. Is there anyone that has a 15 to 20 second testimony that would be willing to share? I see someone smiling, and I don't know if she wants to share it or not. I don't know if she has one, but she's smiling. No one? That's... All right, not a problem. We're going to continue getting going on. All right. Our goal is to be a praying church. Our goal is to be a praying church. A praying church will yield either to the enemy's power 
or the enemy is yielding to the church's power. Period. And if you think about what the church is, a church is, is not the, this Blue Moon Hotel section. It is this leaven, it's this yeast in the bread that God talks about that is spreading. And as we go out, as we are on the college campus, as we are working in the restaurant, or we're volunteering at a school, or we're driving down the road, we're shopping for something, that our church, we, this praying church is, is, is evident in these different places that we go. So the question is, what does it mean to yield? And how do we get to being a yielding, uh, uh, how do we, what does it mean to yield? And a praying church is a yielding church. How do we get to that point? As I was pondering this message and preparing, I thought about this quote. It's from the book, Awe of God, The Awe of God by uh, John Previer. Thank you. And so it says, before prayer, endeavor to realize whose presence you are approaching and to whom you are about to speak, keeping in mind whom you are addressing. Man, that just fires me up. Because when you think about this guy, this spirit, this, this authority, this power, this, this, this entity, like the capability of this, 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 this person, man, it, it's just like anything could happen. And this, uh, uh, Teresa of Avila says, consider, endeavor to realize whose presence you're coming into and approaching and to whom you're about to speak. Keep in the mind whom you're addressing. So you, it's not about going in there like, um, see, Jesus, I kind of got this issue that I need you to, I don't know, lacking confidence, right? He talks about if you doubt that that, 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 that won't be answered, but he says, come in confidence. Uh, the eye of God, that book continues to talk about the fear of God. And I think one of the greatest things anyone can do for anybody is to teach them the fear of God. I'm, I'm going a little off to come back on, so just stay with me for a bit. And here's a parent hack for any of you that have kids or desire to have kids one day. The, one of the best things you could do for your kid is teach them the fear of God. Teach them to really awe God. And uh, about a year ago, um, Zeb came to me after, uh, in, in, it was in the morning, I think it was on a weekend. One of the things, uh, uh, and he said, Dad, last night I almost snuck out of the house. Um, and he, he, he kind of proceeds to tell me some other things, and I'm, I'm kind of amazed, right? It, to me, it's like, you know, my son just hit the game-winning shot for state, and I'm proud, and it's like, that's, hey, that's, that's my boy right there. Yeah, he, yeah he, he just, he's the one that brought the state championship. And so he, he comes and he tells us, hey, I almost snuck out, tells us why, tells, tells me why. And then I have an opportunity to talk to him like, hey, man, it's a wise decision that you made. Here's why it didn't, wouldn't have benefited you. You know, and, we, we, and it's, it's this proud moment, but also this moment where it's just like, what happened? How, how did he come to the sense to be able to, you know, make a decision like that. And really, it was the fear of God. This idea that, you know what, man, that's, that's, it's, it's, that it has no benefit to me to do something that could lead anywhere. And there was this sense like, man, I, I, one, I shouldn't do it, but two, I should let my parents know the kind of thing that I'm having to decide when my friends are asking me. Because his friends was like, hey, man, just sneak out. They wouldn't know. And Tori, I tell you, uh, before moving from Lawrence, 
we had two entries to our house that needed to be checked, a sliding door and a front door. And so our house now currently has multiple entries. And I, I think about it because a lot of times I'll get in bed and I'm like, oh, is the front door shut? Is the garage door shut? Is the bottom door shut? Is that other door shut? Is this door shut? Okay, I gotta go check all these doors. <laughs> so if you're listening and you think you don't wanna sneak in, um, I pray the fear of the Lord be upon you. And if not, the fear of Rocky would definitely be upon you. So Rocky is our four-legged friend, Husky, Blue Hiller. But the fear of God. And so um, I'm going to tell you a story. And I don't mean to glorify the, the violence of it and the, the, um, the, the, the person that's going to be the star of this story. But it's a funny one. Our kids enjoy hearing it. But I think it's going to help illustrate some points. And just like any story by any dude that isn't Jesus is the center, it will fall apart at some point, but I think you would enjoy it. So be encouraged and be entertained. I'm 12 years old, and I'm sitting on the stairs at my dad's house. My dad and mom, I was born out of wedlock. My dad and mom, uh, was, um, they, they live together now and they're married, but I would visit my dad on the weekends. And my dad had a habit of whenever my brother and my younger sister and brother, or my brother, younger brother and sister, would go visit him, or it was four of us in the home with my mom. When we would go visit him, he would go get our other brothers, two other half-brothers. Particularly this uh, weekend, it was just myself and my brother that went to visit, and he got our older two half-brothers. Uh, Kevin is the one who's just two years older than me, and then our Fenson, who's about seven years older than me. So I'm 12 years old, I'm sitting on the stairs, my dad lives in an apartment. All right, and I'm talking with Kevin. Kevin is on crutches, and I think he's severely sprained his ankle. And I don't know where one of our fences friends comes around, and he's asking where a fence it is, and you know he's doing his thing around these apartment complex. A fencing wasn't a necessary drug dealer. Uh, he was involved in the game more for the 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 cosmeticness of it, but he was kind of your punisher too. Uh, I don't know a lot of the punishing he did. But that, that's the kind of persona he took. And um, for whatever reason, the guy started messing with me, you know, kind of hitting me on the leg. And I, I'm kind of the baby Huey. I'm the baby Huey of the family. So basically what that means is I'm taller than everybody. But then I was still kind of big, not taller than everybody. But I, I, I was, as they would characterize, I was too soft to be that big or too big to be that soft. So I should have been someone who could stand up for myself, but I wasn't. So he's kind of touching me, I'm like, stop, nah, man, leave me alone, you know, just really pouty. Not like, hey bro, I'm telling you, if you keep it up, you know, et cetera, et cetera, or, you know. And then Kevin eventually says, hey man, my brother says stop messing with him. Why, why won't you stop? He goes, man, shut up, man, before I punch you. He goes, look man, I'm not gonna fight you. I'm on these crutches, uh, but I'll go get our fencing. And he says, in colorful language, forget our fencing. And he goes, are you for real? Are you, are you serious? He goes, yeah, whatever. So, so Kevin basically like goes around the corner on his crutches. All of a sudden, he comes back. Hey, our fencing say he'll be in a second. Now, I'm 12 years old, and this is how I tell the story to the kids. Maybe this didn't actually happen, but this is what it felt like. Before our fencing actually shows up, the cloud, the, the sky gets a little gray. 
and this storm kind of rolls in. And all of a sudden, if you can kind of imagine a shorter me, a little bit wider, um, comes around the corner and he pulls off his shirt. You messing with my brother? You messing with my brother? And I'm, I mean, very intense. And the dude is squaring up. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at our fencing. And, and I don't know what happened, but I was taught that if a guy gets close to you, you're supposed to start swinging to keep him off of you. But before it could happen, our fencing grabs him by his collarbones, picks him up and slams him, and then forearms him and puts his forearm in his throat. And he's like choking this guy. And as he's doing it, I'm like, oh my goodness, this guy might die. He, he, oh my, oh, offensing, it's okay, it's okay. It's, uh, hey, stop, please, please. And eventually he lets him up and the guy, man, I'm gonna shoot you, man, I'm gonna shoot you. And he disappears. Shortly after that, he's about 50 yards away. He has a fishnet shirt on and you can see the handle of this gun in his waistband. I'm like, oh no, we're finna die. <laughs> and neither of us, or Vincent, Kevin, or myself, decided, let's go in the house and call the police. We just stood there. And he's like, I'm gonna shoot you. He's like 50 yards, I'm gonna shoot you. You're just going down, man. And he's doing all this taunting and whatnot. And our Vincent is asking me, man, was he really messing with you? And I'm thinking, <laughs> well, if he's finna shoot us, I guess, I don't know, it didn't, it didn't seem like it was that serious now. I should have not said anything, but he was. This story is going somewhere, just bear with me. <laughs> I kid you not, and I didn't tell Jonathan this part. This guy comes out of nowhere. Th this is the part I didn't tell Jonathan. The guy was white. And that's important because I grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood, and it, it just, you wouldn't have expected a white guy to, who was friends with our fence. I don't even know how they had a relationship, but he just kind of comes up and he goes, hey, what y'all doing? Oh, and you know, Fenson kind of fills him in on the story. Hey, this guy was missing my brother, and he's, he's, got, he's threatening to shoot us, this, that. Huh. Why did he pull the gun out yet? Like, he's asking all the questions <laughs> that we should have been asking, right? I don't know, man. Da, da, da. Hey, man, I'm going to go around this building right here and come up, and I'm going to just tackle him, and we're just going to get this over with. Say, okay, okay, okay. And that's what he did. He runs off. About five minutes later, you see, if you've ever watched football, a quarterback being sacked, the D lineman comes out of nowhere. He hits the guy, slams the guy on the ground, grabs what we thought was the gun and goes, it's a hairdryer, it's a hairdryer. And me, my brothers, we on the stairs, it's a hairdryer, oh my goodness. Oh, and we just um, die laughing. We die laughing, what is the point? And that's what I'm getting to it. You're either going to submit, you're either going to yield to the devil's power or they're going to yield to our power. And let me get into what that looks like, guys. Here, it was a hairdryer, and we were nervous about a hairdryer. A praying church would yield either to the enemy's power or the enemy is yielding to the church power. A praying person would, eat, would yield either to the enemy, Lucifer's power, or the enemy is going to yield to our power under Jesus. A praying church wants to not only yield to God's power, but also see the enemies of God yield to his power. See this, these enemies become a footstool. How does a praying church become a yielding church and see the enemy become a footstool? And this is what I want to try to answer for us today. 
for, for us today. First, yield. What does it mean to yield? It means to surrender or to submit as to a superior power. I was not able to fight that guy, at least in my mind. But my brother was a superior power. Are we willing to yield to Jesus' superior, superior power? Are we willing to surrender to what he is wanting to do, willing to submit to his will? Because be honest, sometimes we get in our own way. Sometimes we, we take away from what Jesus is trying to do. James 4 says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And I like how the message puts it. So let God work his will in you. Yell aloud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Yell aloud no, go tackle him and watch the hairdryer pop out. A praying church is a yielding church. To yield is to submit and resist. When we think about submit, the scriptures talk about that quite a bit. And that's where that John 14 comes in. When it or John 15. John 15, 4 says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. He is that that yields much fruit. He is that that when you submit to me, when you surrender to me, you can bear the fruit that I've called for you to do. In verse 7, it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. All right. Going back to that ask from last week and it will be done for you. All right. Here's a sign. Here's here's something he's asked. He says, surrender to me. He says, if you keep my commandments, if you abide in my commandments, if you surrender to my commandments, if you allow your will be to, to be dictated by my commandments, you would abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. One thing I like to tell people, man, I, I, I um, uh, was chasing a dream of football. And, and, and the only significance that I could think in my mind that was going to be make me significant was being an NFL player. I was going to go back to my neighborhood and, uh, and, and be involved in helping young men grow up and doing things at a rec center and mentoring families, things like that. Never have played a lick of football because I surrendered to God's commandments, because I surrendered to his will. I've been, doing, been able to do everything that I've dreamed of, and it didn't come through football, but it came through surrendering what Jesus has asked of me. So that's submit. Will you submit in him? Will you abide in him? Will you follow his commandments? Resist. Say a big fat no. Yell a big fat no. As it says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Resist the devil and he will flee. Ephesians 6.10 says, finally, and as I read through this, I'm going to emphasize some words that, in a sense, is another way of saying resist. <clears throat> finally, be strong. In the Lord. So resist the devil. Being So if you're not resisting the devil, what should you be doing? Being strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to resist and or stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to resist, withstand in the evil day, 
and having done all to resist firmly, to stand firmly. We do not fight against flesh and blood, but the evils and the principalities of the unseen world. And we must resist the devil in this time. Uh, verse 14 says, stand, resist, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. All right. The truth holds it all together. And I'm not going to detail these all out. Uh, Jonathan did a great job of detailing these out in a, a message. I, I believe it was in uh, maybe September. We were talking about fighting for faith. But having felt uh, fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, that our heart is in the right place. And our shoes, your, and, and sh as shoes, your feet, for, for, your, for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, that we can understand that the gospel, right, brings peace, that we understand that Jesus is not only restoring things, or has restored things, but is restoring things <clears throat> through, uh, through his death and resurrection and, 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 and an empowerment that he's given to us. In all circumstances, take up the f shield of faith, which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the in, uh, evil one. Your faith will keep you strong as the, the lies come. <clears throat> uh, and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the helmet of salvation, knowing confidently that, hey, as I go out, that I might, I might make mistakes. But if you're willing to repent and re be reconciled, your salvation it, 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 it protects your mind. Hey, look, I, I made that mistake. I can repent and be reconciled. I'm, I'm, I'm saved. I'm good. And then the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, being able to will the word of God as, as, as the lies continue to come or as you're going forward to take ground. <clears throat> Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints and also for me that my that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am ambassador unchanged that I may declare it boldly as I as I ought to speak. What I'm hoping you get from this and we think about the resisting is that. The gates of hell would not prevail. Right. And so gates. You, I, I'm, I stole this from someone. The gates don't come off the hinges. They're not moving. The church of God is moving forward, right? And as they're trying to resist, the gates are trying to resist us from taking land, from bringing about God's dominion wherever we go. We, we need to be able to resist, but it's not a physical thing that's stopping us. It's the powers and principalities of the unseen world, and that's why we must gird ourselves. That's why we might put on the armor of God so that we can go forth in every area, right? From something as simple as like, man, how do I be the husband that God calls me to be for my wife? Right? Because the Jesse that I, that I grew up under was Jesse Sr. And I love my dad and we have great talks right now. But there was moments where there was a ton of moments he failed that I didn't learn some things. And I brought into our marriage what I saw him doing. God, you got to help me in this area. You got to help me be the husband I'm supposed to be. Hey, it's not worth arguing about the three different cereals that she bought. Amen. amen. <laughs> and the church said amen. Right? But to the, to the fact that when I look at Manhattan and what he wants to do at Eisenhower, I, I remember showing up at Eisenhower one day, and this kid, he's 13, maybe 12, Boop you, Mr. Principal, and 
I don't give a care about you B word to the, to the lady he's calling. And he's just flipping out like, wow, Lord, your kingdom has to come here. You have to do something because if I do something, I'm bending him over my lap and with a board and he's getting a spanking. And I don't know that's how you want me to handle it, but I will. If you say the word, I will. But my point is like, man, there, there, there's, we are supposed to be the church and we need to be advancing guys. We gotta arm ourselves, we gotta resist the devil. So what are you to do about it? I'm beginning to land this plane. It's not gonna go as fast as you like, but I think you will be encouraged. What are you going to do about it? There's four things I think you can do. It's not exhaustive but I think it's four things you could do. Have a healthy fear of God. Two, trust in the Lord. Three, be humble before the Lord. And four, pray in the spirit of the Lord. Let's look at that first one. How you doing, Kendall? Doing good? All right, sweet. The awe of God, the book of our God says this, the fear of the Lord is to love. This is the best definition I could pull from that. Okay, and I, and I wanted to, it's simple enough for me. It, some of you might be more intelligent than I, but this helps me a ton. The fear of the Lord is to love what God loves and hate what God hates. What is important to him becomes important to us. What is not so important to him becomes not so important to us. That is a healthy to me fear of God. That is having a good awe of God. In Psalms 33, it says, the Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. I like this psalm. Check this out. From where he sits in throne, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. So he's looking at all of us. He who has fashioned the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. The king is not saved by his great army. Okay, so the king has a great army, but he's not saved by him. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. So the church is not saved, it's not doing its job because of all the great people it have in here. And I think you guys are great. And us individually are not doing great things just based on our strength. The war horse is a false hope of salvation and by its great might it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. Those who have made important to themselves what is important to God. And those who hope in his in his steadfast love that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. The God eyes is not on the ones that have the most money, look to be doing the best, uh, uh, physically fit, though all those things are good and he could use those. But he is I and he is delivering and, and using those who fear him. If we want to be a praying church that's yielding, we got to be people with a healthy fear of God. In verse 19, uh, chapter 19, uh, I'm sorry, in verse 17, it says, the, uh, no, what did I go wrong at? <clears throat> Psalm 34, 9. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. That's us. Somebody say, that's us. For those who fear him have no lack. This is one of my favorite verses, guys. The young lion suffers want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. So young lion, right? Very vicious, right? Very going, a lot of energy, just go, go, go. Full of youth, shouldn't, should rarely be tired. Sometime, sometime they go hungry. 
Sometimes they miss it. But those who fear the Lord go without no lack. And when I hear that verse, I think about like, man, no matter how good of a place you're in, if you're missing the fear of the Lord, you're missing what he's called you to. That you're not being your best if you don't have that, that fear of the Lord. <clears throat> Why? Why am I bringing this all up? Because Jesus wants to fight for us. Jesus is the one doing the work for us. I'll come back to another verse like this, but here, Exodus 14, 13. And Moses said to his people, fear not, resist, or stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you should never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Have a healthy fear of the Lord, because he wants to fight for us. He wants to do the work. The next one, trust in the Lord. Right? That's why we take communion. Man, God, I, I sinned. I did this thing that is not of your will. That's not okay to you. And I'm trusting that what you have done on the cross and your death and resurrection and where you sit now at the right side of God, that that will cover my sin, free me from that, and I can be made connected with you again. I'm trusting that that's what that does. And then we take communion. Proverbs 3 through 5. When we think about trust, it says, Proverbs 3, chapter 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own cane. I'm sorry, I mean your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your straight your paths. I mean, we, we, we were in Lawrence for 20 years, some odd years. Moved to Fort Scott. We were planning on being there for five years, three to five years. And then it's like, nope, we, we know we're supposed to leave. But where do we move to next? And our understandings were telling us different ideas. And it's like, okay, God, but you have to make clear because, one, I hate moving. Oh, my goodness. That, I didn't get a big enough laugh from that. Someone has to understand my pain. Maybe you guys haven't moved enough. If you guys are okay with moving, next time if we move, I know who to call. All right. I hate moving, Lord. What, what are we doing next? And as we prayed, and obviously God made our path straight and sent us here, and, and we're, we're confident this is where he sent us. Where are you at right now? Because I know you have a ton of decisions to make that you're just unsure what that path is. The question is, are you trusting in yourself? Are you trusting in the stars? Are you trusting in some book you read? Or are you trusting in God's wisdom and what he has for you? Uh, from a book, E.M. Bounds on prayer, E.M. Bounds is the uh, person's name on prayer. It says, trust grows nowhere so readily and richly as in the prayer chamber. It's unfolding and development are rapid and wholesome when they are regularly, talking about the praying of it, the praying, and well kept. When these engagements are hearty and full and free, trust flourishes exceedingly. The eye and presence of God gives vigorous life to trust, just as the eye and the presence of the sun makes fruit and flowers to grow and all things glad and bright. You want to grow in your prayer life. You want us to be a praying church. You want to be a praying person who's yielding. You've got to enter into prayer so that your trust can go grow. You have to trust the Lord. I want to skip forward to slide 26 psalms 35 
Verse 1 says, contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Once again, what is it coming back to? When we submit to God's will, he will fight for us. He would, he would do what we, we are, in a sense, fighting for, what we are hoping to see. <clears throat> so the four again, having a healthy fear of the Lord, trusting the Lord. Now the third one is, be humble before the Lord. Be humble before the Lord. Once again, that's communion. Being able to sense, like, man, you know, having some humility. Humility. That, man, he is all-powerful. I am not. I, he is superior. I am not. I enter into his, his authority, his rulership. James 4 says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, good, I'm sorry, God opposes the proud, but give grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, right? Repent and be reconciled. And you, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. This is coming from a, uh, a chapter where uh, people are quarreling because of uh, selfish and prideful reasons, and he's telling them, hey, hey, the sin within you is because of you are not resisting the devil. But if you resist him, if you, if you submit to the Lord and resist the devil, be humble, the law will exalt you. <clears throat> and the last one, pray in the spirit of the Lord. Ephesians 6, 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I, I'm not sure, you know, we, we were doing some volunteering over at Eisenhower. We were, we're building relationships, we're meeting families. But some of the things I'm hearing, seeing, I, I'm not sure what to do. I don't have an answer except just be there, to be present. So my other thing is the praying in the spirit. God, you, I, man, thank goodness you're God, because I can tell you, bro, it's not going well and how to, how me, for me to figure this thing out. So, Lord, come, and I'm just praying in the spirit. In the spirit, Lord, come, come, come. In between one classroom to the next, while I'm driving over, while I'm waiting to meet with this one kid. And I, and I just would wish that the things that are before you, that you are sensing, like, man, God, you want me to do something about this. You know, I don't know, maybe it's say something to a professor who maybe, you know, uh, is not preaching, uh, teaching truth. Uh, help a friend out, you know, helping direct a friend, you know, to, you know, to a better life. I don't know. But my hope is that you would say, you know, what, Spirit, you've got to lead me in this. You've got to guide me in this. Man, I have a person, I have a friend that's on a sick bed. I don't know if they're going to recover. That you would let the Spirit guide you. Romans 8:26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, uh, for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Let the Spirit intercede for you. 
in your groaning, in your, in your expressions that has pushed you to the edge that you, you gotta, you're depending on something higher than yourself. I mean, I think about the story of Jericho. You guys remember that, right? Right? You guys remember that? No? All right, somebody say amen. Like, they're just singing and having a good time, and all of a sudden, walls fall down, and they take the land. It's like, wow, okay, Jesus, come on. Just showing up. I have a uh, friend named Brett, and I'm going to tell you guys this. Brett is a neighbor, and Brett, I went to go talk to him the first time, and he said, uh, man, you live around here? I said, yeah. He goes, where do you live? I said, I live up the street right there. He goes, oh, because a friend told me I had a colored dude living on the street. And so when Brett gets saved, you're going to know who I'm talking about, because this guy, he's, he's just, but I just said to myself, God, I don't know what to do to this guy because he, he never gives me an opening. Like, man, but Jesus said this, you know, and I don't want to just like force it. But I did feel like God said this. Every time his gate is open, stop by, you know, within reason. Right. You know, like this morning, his gate was open. We were late. Couldn't stop by. But there's moments where I'm passing by his house and uh, the spirit's like, you got time. I'm like. I sure do. God. You know, and there's been times I've prayed, Lord, I hope you don't answer the door because I just really go, want to go home and sit. <laughs> but it's, it's allowing the spirit to do what he's going to do because eventually, uh, Jonathan told me this, he said, people are open at some moment. Am I quoting it right? And somebody might be open today. And somebody's open today. And my job is to show up. Because the spirit is working. He's, he's, he's doing his job. I don't want to be, I don't, I don't want to go see the man and he'd be like, bro, you didn't do your job. I was like, dang. All right. I, wanna, I want him to be like, man, you faithfully showed up every time. Good job. Good job. And so I, I, his gate is open. I got time. I'm there. And my question to you, because the spirit is going to do his job. It's going to intercede for God's will. Are you showing up? You got a friend that's maybe sick. Hey, I'm just checking in. How you doing? All right. Maybe he needs you. Maybe they don't. Boom. All right. I got a friend I've been trying to reach out to. Right. I'm, I, I know that they can't prepare a meal. So I'm just, hey, I'm just bringing a meal. Showing up because we are the ambassadors that Paul talks about in Ephesians. Pray for the saints and pray for me that I'll be ready to share this gospel. We are the ambassadors that he talks about. Jude 20 says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. And here is my argument for speaking in tongues, praying in tongues. First Corinthians 14 says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. Hold on, Jesse. Look, man, I've, you know, I just, I've had some reserves about the spirit. I'm not sure. I'm not here to force you to pray in tongues. That's what I meant. You know, I've had some reserves about praying in tongues. I'm not sure. You know, the gifts are still alive. I think the gifts are very well still alive, and we should earnestly seek them. Because sometimes, as it, let me just keep reading. On the other hand, 
The one who prophesies speaks to people for the upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in tongues builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Let me continue to read. This is a long chapter. It gives a lot of in-depth things about the spiritual gifts. I've skipped around. I would encourage you to, matter of fact, that could be your homework. 1 Corinthians 14. But in 39 it says, So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. We read, we read earlier just these groans, these things that our spirit utters, that we don't know what to pray, but the spirit prays for us. Here's our opportunity to have something uh, uh, that, in a sense, we can, we can at least understand to the point where as you're praying in tongues, man, I don't know exactly what I'm saying. But I know that my spirit is communing with God's spirit. And that spirit is taking my prayers to God according to God's will. And I'm, I'm telling you guys, and, and, I, and, and just, just think about this. If, if you've ever been in a fight, you know. I remember one time, loyalty, family is important to me. I remember I was going to visit the apartments I grew up in. I was going to visit a cousin who lived in the other side of the apartments. And he was fighting a dude. And I was like, yeah, I've had a lot of fights, Emma. All right. And he's fighting a dude. I'm like, that's my cousin. I jump in the fight. I'm like, get off my cousin. Bat, bat. Man, jump back in, man. Jump back in. And, you know, he tags me a couple times. And my cousin's just on the side like, man, no, man. You jumped in. No. So my, my point, why did I bring it up? It's because when you're in a fight, and I understand I'm growing more in what it is to be, have spiritual warfare in, in that fight. Man, sometimes I don't know what to pray. But if we could, if you say, man, God, I want the spiritual gift of tongues because I need for you to intervene so that I can see this thing happen, so that I could be the better husband, so that I can see uh, Eisenhower Middle School change, so I can see the campus change, so I can see Manhattan change, so I can see Blue Mountain Church be the church that you call it to be. <clears throat> Thanks to our friend Gail Severs, it must be good. I like how she says it. The overall goal, goal is to defeat the work of the enemy so God's will and work can be done in people's lives, families, churches, nations. It helps others to be free of Satan's harassment, deception, or control so they can be what God wants them to be. We don't have to worry about the tonton of the hair dryer anymore. Because God is fighting for us. He has us protected. The devil is a lie. He cannot stand. He will flee. But we got to be willing to fight. We got to be willing to have a, a healthy fear of God. We got to be willing to be trust, uh, trusting him. We got to be uh, uh, humble before him. We got to be willing to pray in the spirit. <clears throat> Romans eight twenty nine. And then I end. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become formed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. But if I got to be the bride of, church, bride of the church, you guys got to be brothers with us. So, someone got it. Someone got it. I don't want to end on us being sad. I just want to. I want us to be encouraged by where we're headed to. 
And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God for us, who can be against us? And I just feel like right now, if you're not jotting down different places, different peoples, different uh, 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 situations that you know are coming up, that you need God to intervene, you're missing an opportunity to write down that, what your prayer life should be like for this next week. Okay, God, man, it really bothers me that this kid comes to school every day and just curses teachers out and has no purpose and doesn't care. I'm literally sitting with a kid. I mean, so what do you want to be when you grow up? I don't know. Why do you come to school? I guess I just come because I'm supposed to be here. I don't know what happened. But there's, I, I know I'm not the only one that feel that there's people that I'm with every day that just have no clue that we want to see Jesus intervene in their lives. And I want to tell you this. Their time is coming that Blue Mud Church is going to bear weight that we're going to need everyone here to be able to bear that weight with us. And if you're not someone who's willing to be a praying church, part of a praying church that is yielding to God, then what? I don't. But you have to, there's a time coming. There's a time coming where people are going to seek Blue Mud Church out. They're going to seek the people here. And you've got to be willing to be someone that says, you know what? I don't know how to help you, Brendan, with that person, but I'm going to be praying and we're going to go through this together. I don't know how to help you, Will, with that situation, but we're going to be praying and we're going to go through this together. I don't know how to help you with that sickness, but I'm going to be praying and we're going to go through this together. I don't know how to help you with that family, with that job, but I'm going to be praying and we're going to do this together. And our church is going to flourish because of it. You need to be ready for it. Last thing I'm going to say, and then we're going to have a prayer uh, worship team come up. Or they can just start coming up now. I just thought about this because I was looking at Ayana. And she was roaming around looking for someone to talk through. Like, God, you got to build this youth ministry. You have to do something in the youth of Blue Moon Church. You have to grow it so that people like Ayana, who's 14, looking for another 14-year-old or 13-year-old won't have to do life alone in the sense of I have a peer. I have someone I could relate to. You have to build this, Lord, because obviously I can't do it. And that's, and that's just not the only prayer, guys. I, I know you have things that it's like, God, I've tried and it's not happening. So you have to do it. Then I thank you, I thank you, I thank you that we could praise you out loud, that we could repent and be reconciled and drawn closer to you, that we can align and ask, and that we could be people who not only yield, submit to you, surrender to you, but we could yield the fruit you called us to yield. We thank you, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen.